This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 156 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Botsko, as always, and I'm joined by two guys this week. Lars Pommern from Bleacher Report. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I am fine as always. That is nice. And uh, it's good to have Matthias Zug once again on the panel. Matthias, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Everyone's doing fine on this show. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not so many Borussia Dortmund players, but we will get into this uh, in a second. We uh, have to preview two matches on this show. It's uh, Borussia Dortmund against Hertha Berlin on Friday, and then they will travel to Lisbon to play Sporting on Tuesday night. And we have uh, Tom Kundert from Portugal.net on uh, to uh, tell us everything about sporting and uh, yeah we will have three segments and in the first one we will talk about Hertha Berlin and uh, yeah Friday's match they sit above Borussia Dortmund in the table right now with one point as they are on 13 points and uh, yeah Borussia Dortmund have quite the injury list uh, we were thinking whether we would make a little game of uh, guessing who's actually on the list since nobody can remember but uh I decided to just read it out. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Sven Bender is out, still with an ankle injury, uh, still not in training. Socrates has a muscle strain picked up against Estonia for Greece. Is uh, one week out. Gonzalo Castro, also muscle strain, uh, I think approximately three weeks. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lars. Nobody really knows. Yeah. Then Marco Royce, he is uh, in partial team training, uh, you know, Warm up with the team, couple of rondos, but no real uh, training matches yet for him. Uh, Andre Schürrle today trained with some sort of splint or cast around his uh, knee. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't count on him being back uh, for Friday either. Erik Durm obviously still out until January. And Nevin Zobotic just entered running training this week. And uh, sadly also Rafael Guerrero uh, out For more than a week, rather two weeks with a muscle strain he picked up while being on international duty with Portugal. On the doubtful list are Adrian Ramos, who trained individually on Wednesday. So I don't know if he can make the final training on Thursday. And Lukas Piszczek, who got a knock while playing with Poland. And uh, yeah, we don't know whether he can make it either. Uh, yeah, in the... Or during the international break, Mario Götze played twice, 90 minutes, which is odd since uh, he is yet to play a full 90-minute game for Dortmund this season. Uh, Kagawa will return on Thursday. And uh, a funny story about Usman Dembele, because uh, he was rested on Tuesday's match uh, for France's under-21, uh, where first was uh, reported that he had an ankle injury. But apparently Dortmund called the coach on uh, Monday telling him that he has an ankle injury uh, and basically meaning that he should be rested so he can play on Friday. 
So yeah, whatever that's all about. And Felix Passock, of course, uh, debuted for the under 19 and, uh, yeah, he played 213 minutes within seven days, but uh, as Lars already pointed out on Twitter, he should be fine since the intensity on that level isn't as high as in the Bundesliga. So with that, Matthias, who's left, who can play? Mark Batra is fit, by the way. <laughs> so he can hopefully play. Um, next to Matthias Ginter. Next to Matthias Ginter. Could be, could be interesting. Uh, one who can defend and play a pass and the other one who can head the ball. I'll let you decide which one's which. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing always people were talking about at the beginning of the season with all the new players that Dortmund brought in saying, you know, that the squad is too big. It'll create problems. Well, given that uh, over the last, I don't know, six or seven years, we've had some injury issues and been traumatized because of that, I think the uh, squad depth is now actually playing to our favor. Except, of course, in central defense where it's a little threadbare right now. But uh, they still have a quality side. Now, a side that obviously doesn't have the <clears throat> automatisms uh, quite played out just yet uh, because it's a little bit patchwork at this time versus who was who Tuchel likes to play most of the time. Um, but they can still field a, a very good quality side, for sure. Yeah, Lars, who do you think uh, Tuchel will field in central midfield considering, uh, yeah, Weigel is the only one wrestled, Castro is gone? Well, Weigel isn't the only one. There's also Sebastian Rode, who, no surprise, isn't a Germany international at this stage. So he got the last two weeks or so off. He didn't really play too much before the international break, even though he started against Leverkusen. So he should be really fresh and bring some energy. I meant central midfield ahead of Weigel, just so yeah, we're clear. Yeah, I think that's the best spot for Rode, who, in my opinion, is a box-to-box midfielder who's actually best around the opponent's box and bringing dynamism and energy to the team instead of uh, playing in a deeper role uh, as part of a double pivot uh, next to Weigel. And I mean, generally speaking, if you give Sebastian Rode any sort of uh, strategic duty on the pitch, you're probably going to struggle because his passing is too conservative and he brings no penetration to your side. Uh, the more touches he has, the better for the opponent. So... I, yeah, I, I agree with Lars, just to be clear. Yeah, I think he's going to uh, be one of the two number eights. I don't think Tuchel is going to change his system. If, for example, Mario Götze can play for, I don't know, 60 minutes or so. I mean, Götze played up front for Germany in two games that were uh, decided relatively early on. So I don't think the intensity was quite as high as two games for Dortmund would have been, where he plays in a deeper role and has more uh, contact with the opposition and so forth. So I think there's a chance Götze plays for 60 or 70 minutes or so uh, and then is replaced by, uh, let's say, Pulisic or Emre Moore or someone. So I think uh, that, uh, that that Rode is definitely going to start and then next to him, presumably Götze. If not, there, there seems to be uh, the only option to play with a double pivot and then play Nuri Shahin next to Weigel, which hasn't really worked in... The few games they got together last season and uh, the, the wild card, I guess, would be Mikel Merino, who just like Shine hasn't played at all. He's a better passer than Rode. I think it could work, but seeing as he hasn't played at all and didn't really look great in preseason, the, the jump from Segunda Division to Bundesliga seems fairly steep for him. Uh, I think they will try uh, everything they can to get Götze ready for, you know, 60, 70 minutes. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Matthias, how do you think uh, Hertha will line up? And how, how do you expect them to play? Do you think they will come out all guns blazing and uh, press Dortmund high up the field? Or do you think they will uh, sit back and wait to and pounce on the counterattack? I'm pretty sure it's going to be the latter. I mean, how they exact line up. Um, I'm not 100% sure updated on injuries and absences after the international break. But uh, odds are they're going to play the typical style they have under Dada in the sense of they'll uh situationally do some midfield pressing predominantly defensive pressing with fast counterattacks um very very well organized defensively and structured not negative play that's not really their style they're they're also not a very um aggressive team or dirty team let's put it to you that way um so they're going to be hard to break down That's kind of their thing. They're one of the best defensive teams. They're not a great attacking team, but when they get a shot on goal, they tend to score a lot. So uh, I would say it's going to be difficult for Dortmund to break them down. Uh, and they always have to be leery to not be caught up the pitch too often ball watching. And that's where I do have a concern where Ginta uh, is concerned because he's been known to on occasion fall asleep. And so that's plays right into the strengths of this Hertha side. Lars, would you defend the poor Ginter guy? Me defend Matthias Ginter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he's played better uh, on balance, I'd say, than I would have imagined with him starting uh, these few matches in a row after Bartra went down and with Bender still out as well. I think he played okay, uh, for example, against Real. Uh, which was a game uh, where I expected him to really struggle. So I guess the the continuation of him getting some playing time at center half uh, really helped him. And I think Hertha aren't really the side that troubles uh, a center back too much. I mean, they, as uh, Matthias mentioned, they aren't going to come out uh, with a very attacking game plan, let's say. So I think Ginter could be fine uh, I'm actually looking forward to, in a in a sense, him and Bartra playing together because they both uh, can pick out a pass and and break lines with low ground passes. Uh, I think it's going to help Weigel in a way that uh, to see both of the uh, passing centers behind him and not Socrates as one of the guys who really only either plays a long in in the accurate long ball or uh, plays the the easy ball to his uh, center back partner who then has the the responsibility to do something with the ball but uh yeah it's certainly a concern for Dortmund that Ginter might get uh, too too relaxed let's say because he tends to do that and Hertha who are run, uh, riding a real conversion high at the moment which is why they are second in the Bundesliga table they might be able to pounce on that one or two chances that Uh, get created with Ginter maybe possibly sleepwalking so it's definitely a concern yeah you pointed out in the, in the pre-talk to the pod that their conversion rate is at 42.3 percent which is insane just uh yeah putting that out there um when I look at Hertha I'm always surprised by a how good they actually are with the ball in the Bundesliga so many teams define themselves uh, with the play against or without the ball, however you want to call it. Uh, I, I, I feel like Hertha are a little bit underrated in their own possession player. I feel that, uh, when they get the ball, they can, uh, hold it 
from time to time and uh, have some good stints of possession and actually uh, make something out of that. Um, which is, which is, uh, yeah, one of my little observations. And then obviously we have to talk about their fullbacks, Marvin Plattenhardt and Mitchell Weiser, uh, who I think, uh, are pretty well, uh, doing pretty well, Matthias. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, probably Mitchell Weiser is the one that has surprised me the most. Uh, he was obviously a very promising youngster at Köln, went to Bayern and did what most youngsters do at Bayern, which is not progress, develop or play. And, uh, then went to Hatta and kind of rediscovered himself. I mean, he's been played on the wing a few times, but he's really a really good wing back. Um, surprisingly so. And even defensively, his positioning, his timing of his tackles and so on uh, has really impressed me. Uh, I have to say, and, and one that I think, uh, should at least be in the larger realm of candidates, uh, for the national team in my opinion. Um, so, no, very, very good. Plattenhardt, same way. I think he kind of dipped off the scene for a little bit for a couple of seasons where you questioned really his quality if he that he showed uh, as a younger player at Nuremberg. But he's really come uh, to the forefront, developed very, very nicely also under Dadai. And I think he's very good situational coach especially when it comes to defensive structure and discipline and i really am impressed by both those young players having developed well in those types of roles yeah definitely and we might also talk about niklas stark who is a uh, center back for them and uh, i don't know if he's ahead of anthony brooks or uh langkamp uh but yeah stark has been quite impressive so far this season as well and um Paul Dada talked about the match uh, if um, Lustenberger is doubtful in central midfield that uh, Stark might just move up and uh, Anthony Brooks might uh, yeah come in for for Stark then at the center back position that uh, could be one of their game plans and I really have to say um about Hertha and and their defensive structure is what also impressed me when they played against Dortmund they usually uh were very smart in setting out little pressing traps and usually it was either Lustenberger or Skelbrett who um, basically won the ball in midfield after waiting for a player to to receive the ball and uh, to to uh, yeah have a quick turnover and then uh, yeah send one of the uh, wingers flying and yeah that way they managed to uh, carve Dortmund open a couple of times over the last years and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they will try the same uh, again. Lars, um, one question about uh, Hertha's goalkeeper situation. Uh, there's obviously Thomas Kraft but uh, Rune Jarstein currently uh, the number one goalkeeper for them. Uh, do you agree with that? He's very solid. I would say he's probably not in the top eight or nine in the Bundesliga but he's also not among the three or four worst guys so I mean, apart from the very top and the very uh, back of the, the goalkeeper chart in the Bundesliga, most of them are pretty good. I don't think any Bundesliga Cup, except maybe one or two, really have problems at the position. And uh, Jarstein has won the job over the last, I don't know, ten, nine, ten months or so and done relatively well. He seems uh well organized with his teammates. As you guys mentioned, they are really, really disciplined uh, in the entire team and he's a part of that and he seems to be better on the ball than Kraft who's more of a reactionary goalkeeper on the goal line 
and I think uh, Yashan has that spot really nailed down. I don't think there's going to be a change anytime soon. Yeah, me neither. Um, Matthias, how do you think Tuchel will line up uh, further up front, uh, and how do you think he will opt to uh, break the setter, this Berlin Wall down? Um, well, I expect to see Emre more for sure, simply because you know, as we already talked about, you know, Dembele not being available. Um, obviously, Royce is still out. No, Dembele is available. Den he was rested against oh, that's the right. under That's 20. what it was. Um, but be that as it may, I mean, he may... I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if Dembele would have a rest. Um, you know, the problem is that, that I see against very well-organized team is we have the pace to get behind them and around them, especially if we play a little bit wider. Uh, of course, Moore likes to cut inside, which kind of nullifies that threat. Um, but it's the lack of patience that I worry when you have those really young guys in there, because you need to be patient against a well-organized team. Uh, and I, I still see a lack of creativity, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think Castro is a loss, who <laughs> I wouldn't have thought I'd say that 12 months ago, but, um, I just, I think they're going to struggle to score, to be perfectly honest. You know, I think, I mean, I, I have my concerns when it comes to that. More concerns than I do defensively against a well-organized team like Hattais. Yeah, Lars, will this be the typical game where you will uh, frustratingly shout at the uh, television, or rather frustrated, and, uh, you know, point your finger at Usman Dembele, who can skip past two players, but will ultimately fail against the third as uh, Hertha are so well organized? Or do you think uh, that Dortmund could cause so much havoc in, in that Hertha defense that uh, with, let's say, release all the three more, Pulisic and Dembele, all the young guys, uh, that uh, they will eventually score some way? Well, I never shout at the TV, mostly because my dog is in the same room and he's really, or she actually, is uh, quite jumpy when I shout, so... I try to be reserved when watching football and uh, I think the the, the good thing uh, in a way is that Dembele, uh, I think he's going to start because he didn't play uh, this week, uh, is that he's probably going to play on the left wing and I think he's more of a serviceman on the left. I think he really goes for the shot mostly every time when he plays on the right, but he's I think he's provided uh, all of his assists so far from the left wing. And with four that were, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was like three or four. Um, with, um, Guerrero out, that seems like the most logical option for Dembele to play on the left. And I think he, even though he's, uh, virtually ambidextrous, he seems to prefer his left foot for crosses. I think he plays, uh, corners with his left foot, for example. So he seems to prefer the left one for crosses and, and uh, passes into the box. So I think the, The thing we we've mentioned about him a number of times so far, the the lack of good decision making in the final third is not so prevalent when he plays on the left as it is on the right. So I don't think he's going to be that frustrating in this game. But I agree generally that it's going to be tough to score goals against Hertha simply because they don't concede too many. And if we remember back to the last meeting, it was a goalless draw at Berlin, but I think it's going to be much of the same from them. Uh, they played with 
almost six defenders most of the time the last time they were at Dortmund, but that was a much different team, I would say. They've uh, won a lot of confidence uh, since then, since that day. They lost 3-1, I think, in that game at Dortmund with their goal coming from a clear offside position and then Ramos adding the third later on for Dortmund with, uh, you know, seconds on the clock. I think it's really going to be more of the 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 second meeting from last season and not uh, the the first meeting or the the cup game where Berlin were all out uh, out of all sorts for some strange reason. Um, it's going to be really difficult to break them down and score goals, but generally speaking, I'm fairly confident that Dortmund can still win the game just because Aubameyang, for for instance, didn't play uh, two matches. I think for Gabon only one match, so he should be fresh and. There's still so much quality in, in Dortmund's side and uh, having to play youngsters can also be a good thing because they they relish the chance to, to prove their worth. So I wouldn't be too overly concerned with the match in general. I think Hertha are a, a solid, good Bundesliga side, good for, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th place, but they usually play really well against the smaller sides and pick up their points, but having seen them in the so-called bigger matches against the Dortmunds and Bayerns and Leverkusens and Gladbachs of the Bundesliga, they seem to not have enough quality in their side to really uh, go for a win there. Yeah, interesting. Um, Matthias, if I really think about Dortmund's potential lineup, uh, I don't think Dortmund will, uh, you know, have too much loss in quality, actually, because, uh, you know, there will be such talent, so much quality in there one way or another. Is this the moment where we just have to step back and consider how uh, far Dortmund have come? You know, if we look at the long injury list and then on who's potentially still going to play? Oh, the depth is significantly better uh, than it has been, than it was last season and the season prior, I would say. Probably the depth has been the best since uh, the Champions League final season. Uh, we used to have Gutsy in there and, and Lewandowski and so on. So, um, aside from maybe a, a really good backup to Aubameyang, you know, um, I, I think the depth is really good. Like I said, I think they're still going to field a quality squad. I do worry against a structured team and a disciplined team like Hatta that the youth, um, could be a bit of a problem at times, just lack of patience. And they're still developing also their footballing IQ. I mean, you can't forget these are teenage kids uh, at the end of the day uh, playing an incredibly high level. So, yeah, very high quality. It it could be a route at the end of the day. I doubt it is. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, well, in that case, uh, let me see your predictions, Matthias. Well, I know I just used the word route, but I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be... A frustrating one-all draw where Dortmund probably has somewhere between 65 and 70% possession. Lars, you already mentioned that Dortmund could win. Will they do on your prediction sheet? I'm fairly certain it's going to be a game of little quality from Hertha and a few goals in total. But I'm also fairly confident in saying that Dortmund are going to win by two goals to nil. I actually predict a similar scoreline, but I don't see Dortmund keeping a clean sheet. So it's a 2-1 from me. And that should conclude our uh, yeah preview for Friday's match against uh, Berlin. One one little 
Side note, maybe uh, is anyone peeved about the uh, scheduling of the from the DFL that Dortmund has to play on a Friday, Matthias or Lars? Anyone? I'm not uh, necessarily peeved that Dortmund have to play because it actually worked in their favor, considering they play in the Champions League on Tuesday. But I'm peeved in general that there's even a Friday game after a two-week international break. It makes zero sense. I mean. Uh, Dortmund don't have many internationals from Southern America, but just imagine they had like three guys from Chile, Colombia, and Bolivia or whatever. They all played uh, in the night on uh, two Wednesdays, so they, like all the Japanese uh, or Asian guys in general, would only return to the team like uh, somewhere between 24 and 20 hours before the game, I guess, so it makes zero sense to even have this uh, this Friday match, and I can't imagine too many international viewers tuning in for Dortmund against Hertha with so many guys missing so I don't really see the the commercial value in in such an scheduling I don't really understand why the Bundesliga can't just say fine we don't have a Friday game on on this uh, match day it doesn't really make sense to me agreed yeah I yeah agreed all right moving on then uh Without any further ado, uh, we will now roll out the interview I uh, had earlier this Wednesday with Tom Kundert of uh, Portugal.net. Uh, you can find the site, obviously, in the show notes, uh, where you can probably find uh, all the previews and information on Portuguese football and op obviously and especially about Borussia Dortmund's match against Sporting. But uh, yeah, if you don't want to read, you can now just listen to it. And uh, yeah, here we go. It's uh, me and I'm now joined by Tom Kundert, the uh, founder and editor-in-chief of Portugal.net, which is pretty much a one-stop shop for Portuguese football in English, and you should all check it out ahead of the game. Tom, welcome to the show. Okay, hi Stefan, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, we will now talk about the, uh, which would probably be a cracker, the Champions League tie of uh, Sporting against Borussia Dortmund on Tuesday. I hear you will be in the stadium. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Should be a cracking match, like you said. Sporting sit third in the Portuguese league. They are level on points with Porto right now. Um, more relevant in Group F, they uh, almost uh, snatched a point in the Bernabeu, which was quite impressive, I, I thought. Uh, yeah. So, Tom, generally speaking, um, their playing style uh, in the league, how, how do they play, how do they line up, and how could that alter in the Champions League? Well, with Sporting under George Jesus, they're a typical George Jesus team. Uh, you know, he's a very uh, flamboyant manager. Of course, he had tremendous success at Benfica and uh, a very attacking team. Uh, and uh, that's that's certainly been the case this season. Like you said, that was a really fantastic support uh, performance at the Santiago Bernabeu. And very unlucky, really, not to come away with at least a point. Now, they were definitely the better team for 75 minutes of that match, but uh, unfortunately they couldn't get uh, couldn't get the job done. And uh, of course, Real Madrid scored two goals in the in the last few minutes of the game to actually win the game. But uh, yeah, you know, Sporting a good attacking team. Uh, one thing which they 
have had problems with, uh, especially recently, is their defence, which uh, has looked a little bit, uh, you know, suspect this season, you can say. Uh, they've actually conceded 10 goals in their last five matches, which uh, isn't such a good record for, you know, you'd expect one of a sport, one of Portugal's best teams to have a better record than that. And uh, actually in their last game, they were, they had a, a bit of a collapse, uh, defensively speaking, uh, winning 3-0 in the Portuguese league against Vitoria Guimarães. Ended up conceded three goals uh, in the last 15 minutes to draw that game, which was a, you know, a huge disappointment. But uh, no, they've got a uh, going forward. It's a different story. A very dangerous team, and uh, I think they've got big ambitions this time round in Europe. Last season, George Jesus more or less decided to forget Europe and concentrate on the league. Uh, this season, it's a different story. You know, like I said, very unlucky not to win uh, in uh, Madrid. And uh, I think with this very tough draw in the Champions League, it's basically going to be, uh, I think, uh, a bit of a fight between Sporting and Borussia uh, for that second place because you'd probably expect Real Madrid to finish in first. And uh, Legia Warsaw, to be honest, they look so bad that uh, I think uh, all the other teams, you know, Real and Borussia and Sporting, would win both games against them. So uh, I think they're going to end up with zero points. And so it's just going to be basically a, a fight between Borussia and Sporting for that second place, I think. And uh, of course, so that makes the match next week absolutely crucial. Yeah, you, you spoke about the defensive uh, issues they have. Uh, how exactly do they occur on the field? Yeah, well, they've got a good centre-back pairing, say uh, Sebastian Coates, the Uruguayan and a very young Portuguese Uh, centre-back who's a lot of people are already saying should perhaps be getting called up for the full uh, Portugal national team. It's called Ruben Semedo. And they complement each other very well because uh, Coates is very tall. Uh, Uruguayan is actually the tallest outfield player in Portugal in the whole Portuguese league. Very good in the air. He's already scored three goals uh, at the other end of the pitch. So he's also a good attacking threat. And Ruben Semedo uh, is very fast. And if one thing, uh, one, I suppose, fault of uh, Coates or one weakness in his game is not is not so fast, but uh, Ruben Semedo kind of makes up for it. The problem for Sporting has been the fullbacks. Uh, Jorge Jesus has been chopping and changing them. He hasn't really decided who his first choice uh, fullbacks are, either on the right or on the left. And uh, that's a bit of a dangerous situation. Well, who of the fullbacks do you think should play on Tuesday? We've got the Portuguese right back, uh, Joao Pereira, a very experienced right back. He's probably been the best performer and he's, the, uh, you know, he's probably going to play against Borussia, I would have thought. Uh, they've got another Argentine-Italian right back, Scalotto, who's a very willing worker, a uh, very good stamina, but perhaps not of the the quality uh, definitely at this level which you'd which I think sporting need uh, and on the left it's uh, it's even worse because there's three uh, left backs sporting have and Brazilian Jefferson uh, uh, Dutch player Marvin Ziegler and a converted left back Brazilian uh, Bruno Cesar who's been playing <coughs> as a kind of makeshift left back and uh, none of them really have looked too good Defensively speaking, all of them are quite good going forward and lending their support to the attack. 
but probably uh, you know if Borussia target that left back position, that could be a problem for Sporting. Yeah, Dortmund definitely are a side that like to attack over the wings, although they also like to go through the middle. I guess that's one of their strong points that they are very versatile in attack. What I'm hearing from you is that uh, Sporting is a very top-heavy side, and so is Borussia Dortmund. All set up for a goal fest, so it'll probably be a a dull nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Like like Dortmund Sporting actually had a pretty much of a summer of upheaval. I mean, they lost Jao Mario to Inter and uh, Islam Slimani to to Leicester. Yeah. Um, but they brought in around ten new players. Uh, Bas Dost among them, who played for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Uh, who of the new guys could impress so far? Yeah, well, he's definitely the one who's kind of hit the ground running. I'm sure you know all about him, of course. Very uh, dangerous forward. A big, powerful centre forward, and he's done well so far at Sporting. You know, he's looked good. He's actually Sporting's record signing, 10 million euros, which is a very big signing by Sporting standards. And uh, but he's looked like so far he's he's been worth it. You know, he's uh, like you said, he's he's got big shoes to fill because Islam Slimani was a, a fantastic striker for Sporting, scored I think 35 goals or something last season. So, uh, but the, but but the way Bastos has started, uh, you know, people think that maybe he, you know, he could uh, score a similar number of goals. It's one also another characteristic of George Jesus's sides. He always has a striker who, you know, who scores very, you know, is a, a very big scorer even at Benfica. Uh, of course, Oscar Cardozo used to score about 30 goals a season uh, under George Jesus. And so the way he sets up his team, the centre forward always gets plenty of chances. And so I think Baz Dost is going to uh, enjoy himself in Portugal. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be in good form and uh, against opposition who I'm sure he's played against before. I'm not sure what his record is like against Borussia. He scored twice in seven games against Dortmund. Ah, OK. Not bad. So <laughs> maybe he actually said in, uh, I think, after the Legia Warsaw game, He said he was really looking forward to, you know, playing against Borussia. He knows what a good side they are. And he'll be trying to, you know, transmit one or two ideas to his sporting teammates. And so uh, he's probably, uh, in terms of actual, you know, goal threats, I'd say his sporting's uh, biggest threat. Uh, also, another player who's been on absolutely fantastic form this season was actually man of the match in that game against Real Madrid in Spain is Gelson Martins, a winger, who's uh, sporting, of course, got a fantastic tradition of producing really top-class wingers, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Luis Figo, Nani, uh, and some people think that Gelson Martins, you know, uh, could uh, maybe not reach, you know, such great heights, but, uh, you know, maybe get somewhere near there because he really has been superb this season, probably the best player in Portugal, Uh, he's scored goals, he's, uh, he's uh, providing assists, he's only 21 years old, but he's already a full Portugal international. He made his debut in this uh, over this weekend in both games in the uh, international break, and uh, he looked the part already. So he really does look uh, a fantastic prospect, and uh, I think those two players, Dortmund, will have to keep a, you know, a, a very careful eye on. Uh, Jelson Martins and the striker Baz Dost. Yeah, sounds very positive uh, coming out from the sporting camp. Um, but they had one big bad news and that was the 
loss of um, Adrian Silva, their captain and uh, central midfielder, which is always a key position. Uh, how how bad actually is the loss and how can they cope with that? Yeah, you're right. Huge loss, huge loss. I'd say if I think people, you know, at Sporting, there, the, the, the fans are very excited about kind of new era at Sporting since the new club president has uh, has been has come to the club uh, three years ago. The team's getting stronger and stronger. And with George Jesus even stronger when the Champions League draw was made, I think people thought that Sporting had a chance. You know, they they recognised that probably they were third favourites. You know, well, uh, you know, definitely behind Real Madrid, but probably most people, even in Portugal, thought that Borussia would be slight uh, favourites to finish above them. But uh, having said that, the way Sporting played last season and the way they started this season. People thought that they had a chance of, you know, nicking second place. But uh, like you said, to do that, they really had to be at full strength with all their best players. And the loss of Adrian is huge. Uh, he's been their best player this season, probably along with Gelson Martins. Uh, very, very consistent. Just a real kind of heartbeat of sporting in that midfield. You know, full Portugal international, of course, played a big role in Portugal's conquest of Euro 2016 so it's difficult really to uh, understate how important uh, his loss is to sporting and uh, of course they've still got William Carvalho who's an, another you know key player in right in the centre of that midfield it's interesting you saying there that Borussia like to attack through the centre that's normally sporting strength you know the centre of midfield but now with the loss of Adrian uh, that won't be as strong as it normally is. So, yeah, a, a, a huge loss, no doubt about it. And uh, his replacement would probably be Elias, a Brazilian uh, international, who's uh, is a good, skillful player, a good passer of the ball, but really doesn't have the dynamism of Adrian. And especially from a defensive point of view, doesn't really offer as much cover to, to you know, to the to the back players as Adrian. I was talking about Sporting's uh, problems in defence this season. Uh, they've, I think of the 11 goals they've conceded, uh, something like eight or nine of them have come towards the end of games and they've, been, they've all coincided in games when Adrian wasn't playing. For uh, Usually he gets subbed out towards the end of games or I think one game he missed because of injury. And that's really... Sporting really feel that from a defensive point of view. So, yeah, I would have said before, uh, if Sporting were at full strength, they would have had, I'd say, about a 50-50 chance of, uh, against Borussia. But uh, I think the loss of Adrian is so crucial that I'd probably make Borussia, if not if not favourites, because it's, you know, the games here in, in Lisbon, I definitely think that they would probably be, be looking to get a draw and that I would expect this game to end in a draw. Yeah, I think Dortmund would be pretty content with the draw, considering they have uh, a lot of injuries uh, going on themselves. Just one other point, Stefan, something which is interesting. In in Portugal, the, the football authorities, the Liga and the, uh, you know, the, the administrators, they tend to do absolutely everything they can to try and help the clubs thrive in Europe, to try and give them you know, as much chance as possible. This means usually the the, the games uh, preceding uh, Champions League week or Europa League games are, are put back to the Friday 
uh, and actually uh, sporting this weekend. It's actually the cup, the Portuguese cup this weekend. So sporting are actually playing on Thursday, uh, playing tomorrow against a second tier side uh, in the Portuguese cup. So in theory, uh, the game is on Tuesday, isn't it, next week? That will give Sporting plenty of time to recover and to be fresh for the Borussia game. I don't know uh, when Borussia are playing this weekend and have they got a tough match? On on Friday, and yeah. uh, they will play against Sertar Berlin, who actually sit above them in the league on second place. So, ah, so a tough match. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a tough match and Dortmund cannot allow to drop points right now. Yeah. So they they have to field a good lineup. I mean, they, they can't rotate much anyway since half the squad currently seems to be injured <laughs> right yeah yeah okay well i think sporting on the other hand because it's uh like you mentioned earlier they've made a lot of uh purchases over the summer but not too a lot of them haven't played or have just played a few minutes here and there so i expect sporting to pick almost a second string side in the in their cup game tomorrow Probably. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. How many international players did they have on uh, international duty? Uh, well, quite a few, yeah. As well as the Portuguese players, they had uh, two Costa Rican players, of course, Brian Ruiz and uh, and Campbell, uh, who Joel Campbell. Uh, so they've obviously had long journeys to make. As had as as has the uh, centre back I was talking about, Sebastian Coates. Uh, you know, Uruguay uh, international. So uh, they, I suppose, all of those three, I would expect to be rested uh, for Portugal's, uh, for Sporting's Cup game. Uh, then, of course, the Portuguese internationals, William Carvalho, goalkeeper Rui Patricio, although, you know, I suppose for goalkeeper, uh, it's not really the same situation. Uh, and, uh, of course, I was talking about the uh, exciting young winger, Jelson uh, Martins, who also played both games for Portugal this uh, this mid this uh, weekend, which has just gone. But uh, yeah, I, I expect them to be rested. Uh, probably players like uh, maybe Markovic, Lazar Markovic, uh, even Joel Campbell, although he played for Costa Rica. Uh, I think they may be given a run out in this cup game just to try and give them a few more minutes because that's really what they need rather than rest. Yeah, how, how is uh, André doing, actually? He is uh, he joined from Corinthians and uh, I used to follow FC Santos and uh, I guess it was around 2009 when he paired up for Santos together with Neymar. Yeah. He looked to be, you know, on a similar level with him, but it never really came quite... Oh, for him, he basically yeah, I think that was a, deteriorated. Yeah, and one of one or two question marks about his attitude. I think they were, but uh, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, he's got uh, in the past he was expected to be a, a really big player. He hasn't had too many chances at Sporting, just a few minutes here and there because Baz Dost is the uh, you know is he plays every game. And uh, <clears throat> he's the second striker. It's George Jesus, the manager, seems to be kind of chopping and changing. He's not quite sure who uh, the second striker playing just behind Baz Dos, uh, who his best, who his best option is so far. Uh, and uh, but Andres played uh, played a few minutes here and there. He scored one goal uh, a couple of weeks ago. Got his first sporting goal. He looks quite good, quite skillful, as you'd expect from a Brazilian player. And uh, I think George Jesus has uh, publicly, he's been giving him quite a lot of praise for the way he's uh, 
you know, his training in a way he's trying to integrate himself into uh, sporting and the, the European game. So, yeah, is it is it actually a possibility to start against Borussia? Uh, not quite sure, but even if he's on the bench, uh, he could well be brought on, depending how the game goes, of course. So, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. I think so far, really, we haven't seen enough of him to know if he's going to be a success, but he certainly is an, an interesting player to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's uh, something I personally look forward to. Um, Tom, before I let you go, I want a prediction of you for the match. You already said nil-nil draw, but I wasn't sure <laughs> yeah. if you were serious. No, yeah, that was uh, just, uh, like you said, there's two such attacking sides that uh, that's really what you, you wouldn't expect. And, uh, of course, so often in football, what happens is <laughs> precisely what you don't expect. But no, uh, if Sporting were at completely full strength, I would uh, be more confident that they would uh, be able to, to get a win, which, of course, would give them uh, a fantastic chance of, uh, you know, fighting for second, for that second place. Uh, as it is, especially with Adrian's injury, uh, I really think it's going to be tough for them. Uh, it's interesting talking to you that you said, of course, Borussia also have a, a lot of injuries. I think because of the way the results have gone so far, maybe Borussia, like I said, it makes sense uh, for them to be quite happy with a draw uh, and, uh, of course, then try and win in the the next game in Germany in uh, two or three weeks. And uh, I think that will probably be the final result. I'd go for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, that probably would be my prediction too. Uh, yeah, thank you, Tom, for joining. Uh, that was really insightful. Um Please tell our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and uh, where they can read all of your great work. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah, good talking to you also and learning a, a bit more about Borussia. Uh, my, uh, most of my work is done on the site portugal.net, which is P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L.net. Uh, and that's a site all about Portuguese football. Uh, and uh, got plenty of writers talking about the, the you know the club scene and also the national side. Uh, and then you might also be able to find uh, bits and pieces from me, uh, various sites, uh, ESPN, 442, and so on. Always about Portuguese football. So uh, yeah, check them out. Sorry, yeah. Also my Twitter handle, <laughs> I forgot, is a uh, Portugal One. It's uh, at Portugal One, which is P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L-1. As always, I will link that in the show notes. Uh, Tom, thank you so much. And it uh, was a pleasure talking to you. Maybe we can do the same before or after the uh, return leg. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, Stefan. Same also. Enjoy the match next Tuesday, but I hope you don't enjoy it too much. Back in the studio here, still with Matthias Zug, Lars Pollmann and Stefan Butzko. And we will now get the Borussia Dortmund angle on uh, the Champions League match against Sporting. Uh, Lars, I would not ask about who is going to be fit because we still don't really know. But uh, what kind of a game do you expect? I really don't know. 
I uh, do not follow Portuguese club football that intensely to say I don't follow it at all. Uh, that makes us two. Yeah, <laughs> probably three, I would wager, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Sporting... Uh, I mean, I know I uh, looked it up for an article for BR the, uh, a few weeks ago. I, I was surprised to, to learn how few matches in the Champions League they have played over the last few years. They stroke me uh, struck me as one of those teams that are kind of always just there but they actually weren't in the last few years uh i think german viewers probably remember their uh beat down at the hands of bayern what was it on aggregate like 8-2 10-10-3 something crazy uh in i don't know 2009 or 10 or so uh that's probably the last time i actually watched them on television I also know that Sporting lost a, a few players. I guess you and Tom probably talked about it in the summer transfer window with Slimani yep. and uh, Joao, Mario, and a few others. Uh, so the quality in the team seems to be a bit suspect, in my opinion. They are also without Adrian Silva, the the team captain, one of the, the Portugal internationals. So I think it's probably going to be a game that uh, will go as good or bad for Dortmund as they allow it. Um It's at Sporting and actually a big spot for Dortmund because losing that match would put them in a bit of a hole for the rest of the group stage. So probably some sort of tight game where uh, Dortmund have more of the ball and the the, the higher individual quality. But seeing as it is at uh, Sporting, uh, I'm not too confident in Dortmund's ability to get a win there. Matthias, what about you? Well, I'm also anything but a Portuguese football expert when it comes to club level. Um, kind of like sporting because they fall outside of the realm of the Benfica Porto standard deal in, in Portugal. It's, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about the squad. Uh, obviously we now heard more about the squad in the interview. I, I think Dalton can go there and win and I think they can. Uh, eke one out. Uh, I mean, Sporting were very, very unlucky against Real, and I think Dortmund, uh, can, can go there and win, but it, it, I don't predict it necessarily being a relaxed match for us to watch as Dortmund supporters. No, definitely not. This is, uh, the one thing I'm quote unquote looking forward to that, uh, this is the kind of, international or Champions League match where you have to sit on the edge of your seat uh, through the entire 90 minutes because uh, anything can happen. We we had a lot of those games in the, in the past against uh, sides in group stages that were, let's say, uh, yeah, like drawn in pot two or pot three. Um, so, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a feeling that this game will be very much on the edge any given moment. Uh, I, you know, obviously I'd be glad if it was any different. Now, um, Lars, if you were Thomas Tuchel, um, what kind of approach would you take to this game? Would you play your usual possession game as, uh, every game or do you, would, you know, would you opt for a more, let's say, passive approach? Well, I don't think that's really a question because Dortmund have Uh, of the 60 odd games they played on Tuchel, I think you can count the games where they altered from their general approach uh, on on one hand, and you don't even need all five fingers probably. Um, they played a different style of football against Bayern, and that's about it. So I don't really see them altering their 
their cause for a match against a side like Sporting, who uh, on balance aren't the greatest uh, opponent they are going to face this season. So I would expect them to do much of the same. Uh, obviously, it depends uh, in 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 part to the of the on the team that's going to be available. Uh, most of the guys that will be out against uh, Hertha will probably also miss the sporting match. So I guess uh, seeing uh, the the game on Friday will give us a bit of a glimpse of what might happen on Tuesday. Uh, but uh, as I said before, I don't really know too much about sporting and how they uh, play football at, at home, how they are going to uh, attack Dortmund. Uh, I mean, I know Georges Jesus, the the, the coach uh, who came over from Benfica, but I, as I said, haven't seen enough of Sporting to make an educated guess on on how they are going to play. So I would expect Dortmund to to play their normal stuff and hope for the best. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, um, Matthias. Do you think uh, that Tuchel should uh, opt for all the older players or? Uh, go for a similar lineup that played against Real Madrid with uh, the likes of Dembele in there. Honestly, at this point, given injuries, I would go with whoever is fit and fresh, to be perfectly honest. I think whether you go older, younger, speed, patience, whatever alternative you want to go, I think we're, we're the better side uh, than sporting. It's just a matter of who's fresh and who's up for it. I, I'd say that's that's the key decision at this point, given how many injuries we have. Yeah, and that's probably where the uh, Friday match will play into our advantage, as Lars already said, uh, to a bigger extent. Uh, I mean, Sporting will actually play on Thursday in a cup match against the second division side, so uh, they will have the chance to rest uh, their first-string squad as well. So, um, yeah, Dortmund really have to make sure that uh, everyone on their team is completely rested. Or not completely, but, you know, as as good as possible. Um, yeah, it, since nobody here really can say much more about this match, I guess uh, we can knock it on the head. <laughs> Unless Lars or Matthias, you have any other points to make. I would just, uh, in, in, in general, uh, talk about the, the importance of the match because I think People are kind of underestimating. Uh, I mean, I'm probably underestimating Sporting because I think it's no no question that Dortmund will qualify for the next round. But if they lose <clears throat> at Sporting, the the rematch is a must win probably because then uh, we we can assume that that Legia Warsaw will not win a single point, so uh, those matches don't matter. And then Dortmund play uh, Real Madrid on the final. Match day, if I'm not mistaken, in the Champions League. So you don't want to have to get a result at Santiago Bernabeu uh, in what is it, late November, early December. So I guess uh, it's important uh, that Dortmund get at least a point on Tuesday. Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely very true for Dortmund. Uh, I think clinching a point will be very crucial. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot on the line, which makes I think for us at least the group stage very interesting now. Matthias, did you want to say anything to the game? No, no, I think we've said everything there is to say. All right, then you get to go first yet again <laughs> and predict. I'm a little bit, oddly enough, I'm a little more optimistic against sporting. I, I think uh, it's going to be a nervy 2-1 to victory for Dortmund. All right, that's what the uh, snubby uh, <laughs> top three league observers say, <laughs> Lars. 
Uh, I talked about them needing at least a point, and I think that's what they're going to get. I'm going for a one-all draw. Yeah, and since uh, Tom and I agreed that both sides are top-heavy, meaning uh, better in attack than in defense, I'm going for a two-all draw. And yeah, that should be that. Episode 156. And Matthias, if you have the honor, you can do the outro after everyone here said their Twitter handles and where they can find their work. You're going first, Lars. Yeah, people can follow me on Twitter at Lars Perlman and read my written work on occasion for yellowwallpot.com and more frequently because I'm getting paid for it by bleacherreport.com. Yeah, same here. More frequently, I write for ESPNFC for the same reason as Lars. Uh, and uh, yeah, obviously, yellowwallpot.com as well. And Matthias, you can also you can follow me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, um, you can find uh, none of my written work because I don't have any right now <laughs> anymore in a long time, but maybe we'll change that. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. You can find all of us on Twitter at yellowwallpod and also yellowwallpod.com. And of course, the Facebook page yellowwallpod. Yeah, where you should all like us and follow us because, uh, you know, give us more reach. As I said before on this show, and I will again, sharing is caring. And uh, yeah, since we are not quite the ESPN or Bleacher Report outlets yet, uh, you know, we very much depend on you listeners to give us some more reach by uh, yeah, sharing it with other or fellow Borussia Dortmund fans and friends. So yeah, since Matthias is not continuing on where you can subscribe to the show, I will do that too. On iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud is where you can subscribe to the show if you not uh, go via the uh, site. And that should be all. We will be back next Thursday or Friday, depending on when we will record uh, with yeah the roundups of the games we discuss on the show and the preview for Ingolstadt. Goodbye.